New Jersey. Parvez Amritsa was looking at Benazir, but without seeing her. His eyes were locked on the telephone on the night table next to the bed. What's the matter with you? She asked in Urdu. This wasn't the first time he had taken his young wife to a hotel, but they usually started making love as soon as they got to their room. This time was different. For one thing, the Newark Liberty Hotel was unusually charmless. It stood less than a mile from the airport runways, and featured white walls decorated with banal prints, and windows double glazed against the aircraft noise. For another, Amritsa seemed distracted. A good wife who never questioned her husband, Benazir didn't ask why Amritsa had taken her to this cheesy place. They usually crossed the Hudson to spend weekends at one of the boutique hotels on the west side of Manhattan. Amritsa had recently brought his aged mother from Pakistan to live with them, which tended to inhibit his sex life. So he got away as often as he could to enjoy his wife without constraint. He was a wholesale Oriental carpet dealer, earned a good living, and, aside from making a good Muslim's zakat arms, had few expenses. I'm expecting a phone call here, he told Benazir. After that, we can enjoy ourselves. When he caught her dark gaze, Amritsa felt a pleasant surge of warmth in his belly. His wife really was very beautiful. She followed Islamic practice. She wore a headscarf and dressed modestly when she went out, but in the evening would dress up for her husband. Tonight she was wearing a tight sweater, a wide belt, and high boots. She had made up her mouth with special care and brushed mascara onto her long lashes. A phone call? she asked in surprise. Here? If it had been on his cell, she would have understood. But a call on the room telephone of a hotel they had just checked into and which they would leave the next morning? That's right, said Amritsa, without explanation. When Benazir looked puzzled, he went over and put his arm around her waist. It's men's business, he assured her. Afterward, I'll be all yours. The young woman relaxed in his arms. I hope you'll give me a child, she murmured. Benazir loved her husband as much as he loved her. He was a handsome man, with classic Middle Eastern looks, very dark eyes, and a strong nose and jaw. He spoiled her and showered her with love. A perfect husband. Their lips were about to touch when the telephone rang, startling them both. He ran to the phone and picked it up. Bavis? asked an unknown man. The sound sent Amritsa's pulse racing. That's right, he stammered. I'm downstairs at the bar. Amritsa had no time to say anything else. The man had already hung up. Wait for me here, he told Benazir. This won't take long. You can watch television. He was already at the door, feeling as moved as the day he had asked for her hand in marriage. The hotel's lobby was as impersonal as its rooms, and the bar at the end of the hall was almost empty. Sitting at a table was a swarthy man of about forty, wearing a windbreaker over a heavy brown sweater. He didn't stand when Amritsa came over. For a few seconds, the two men looked each other over, 
their absorption only interrupted when the bartender asked for their order. Without consulting Amritsa, the stranger ordered two Coke Zeros. When they were alone again, the stranger extended his hand and quietly said in Urdu, Call me Mahmud, brother. Feeling ill at ease, Amritsa sat down. The two men had communicated by email, but this was the first time they were meeting in person. Mahmud broke the silence. I bring you greetings from those you sent your messages to, he said quietly. They want you to know they are praying to Allah and his prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name, that your project prove successful. Inshallah. Inshallah, said Amritsa. In the presence of this confident stranger who represented people fighting for the faith and the triumph of Allah, Amritsa suddenly felt himself moving from dream to reality. Six months earlier, he had learned that a missile from an American drone had killed his uncle, his three brothers, their wives, and five of their children. They all lived in the village of Miramshah, in the tribal area between Pakistan and Afghanistan. The official explanation? Regrettable collateral damage due to incorrect targeting data. The coalition authority wrote a letter of apology to the local government and offered to pay for the funerals. But under Islamic law, the bodies had all been buried the very day of the attack, and anyone who accepted dollars from the infidels would have had his hand cut off. The village imam had assured everyone that all the martyred shaheeds would be under Allah's protection until the end of centuries of centuries, and that jihad would continue until the death of the last infidel. When Amritsa learned the terrible news, he was shattered. He had never been particularly religious, but now he spent hours in the Newark mosque trying to speak to God. The imam there told him that Allah had sent this trial to test his faith. Over time, Amritsa gradually emerged from his despair, and pain gave way to a burning desire for vengeance. Turning to Wikipedia, he plunged into the study of armed drones. He learned that the ones flown over Afghanistan were piloted long distance by operators at a base in Nevada. The operators put in eight hours a day, then calmly went home to their families, risking nothing more serious than an occasional upset stomach or head cold. Amritsa initially considered taking revenge on the drone pilots, but they worked on a very secure military base. Besides, he didn't know which individual fired the missile that wiped out his family. He began to visit a mosque close to his home more often. He had always been a believer and never missed Friday prayers, but he rarely went during the week, preferring to pray at home or in his warehouse. In addition to telling the imam, Amritsa started sharing his newfound hatred of Americans with some of the faithful. One of them suggested that he check out a website said to be closely connected with Al-Qaeda that regularly called for jihad. Without much optimism, Amritsa created a hotmail account so as to communicate in the website chat room, choosing his first name as his username. He posted several messages expressing his desire to participate in jihad but got no answer. Then, ten days ago, he received a hotmail message from someone in a cyber cafe calling himself Mahmoud 632. Amritsar, of course, noted the year of the Prophet's death.
Mahmud congratulated Amritsar for his desire to make jihad and asked him a few personal questions. They chatted online, mainly about religious matters. Then Mahmud suggested they meet in person at the Newark Liberty Hotel on Friday at 9 p.m. Amritsar decided to take his young wife along, as he sometimes did on a weekend. Now he was face to face with the man himself. Mahmud leaned over and again spoke quietly in Urdu.